This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are totally free, so enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. Right to your phone calls, we go. And we'll give you some big news out of Mexico here in moments. First, it's Ziggy calling from the UK. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ziggy. Hi, guys. Hey, Ziggy. Right. Um, I don't know if news has reached you over there. I think it has. That um, the Lockerbie bomber was released yesterday. Who is the Lockerbie bomber? Uh, let me try and pronounce his name. Ali Al Magraki. Um, he's a Libyan national, um, and, was, and has been convicted of planting the bomb on Pan Am flight. 103, which crashed in uh, December 1988 over Lockerbie in Scotland. Well, what was his motivation for doing that? Um, well, uh, well, uh, <laughs> American imperialism, probably. Mm. Um, now, however, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that 270 innocent people deserve to die for that. Um, Certainly not. And... The thing is, though, um, there is already a conspiracy theory abounding, and this is, this is not a kook's conspiracy theory. I mean, this has been reported on the BBC, that he was actually released to secure trade deals with Libya, um, because Libya has lots and lots of oil, and, of course, the world is running out of oil. So who was holding um, him? Was it the UK or the US? Um, it was... The Scottish, uh, it was, it was the, the, the people resp- ultimate res- re- responsible were the Scottish executive. Um, Scotland has devolved um, government. Gotcha. So you're saying he's now out? Yes, but I'm saying that um, he was released on compassionate grounds because he has terminal cancer. Um, however, there is a rumor now that the, he was released uh, to secure uh, secu- oil. Oil, an oil deal. Interesting. Well, thank you for that um, speculation. Anything else on your mind tonight, Ziggy? Yeah, um, I tried to ring up the other night. Um, yeah, after uh, um, on Monday, in response to um, you talking about Afghanistan on um, Saturday, um, I don't know if you were aware, but um, President Karzai in uh, Afghanistan has practically legalized rape. Oh dear. Um, um, basically. Uh, a, a married man can, uh, can starve his wife if she refuses to give him sex. And this is the guy that the U.S. people basically yeah. favored putting in, right? Yeah, this, is, uh, this makes me very, very angry because, uh, well, I know that you don't pay federal uh, tax, but, you know. Uh, I, I, I do on my cell phone bill. I can't avoid that one. And my ISDN line, so all my, my communications, they get a piece of that. But otherwise, I can, I'm avoiding everything else. Yeah, so I don't know whether you are funding, but I suspect most most people are are helping to fund, you know, the propping up of of, of the Afghan government. Yep. Just another reason it, to stop. Just another yeah, uh, we, great we reason spon- to to withhold your money and and keep it and and spend it on the people you care about. It's no yeah, different, I, Ziggy. It's no different than what the United States did in Iran, uh, you know, de- a few decades ago. They had a democracy there. They put this puppet dictator in, and it's led to the problems in the society that uh, Iran has today. Yeah, well, I'm just, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, it makes me laugh. There were elections in in Afghanistan yesterday, um, and basically, uh, the people came out to vote, even though 
the people have been moaning about the corruption in, in government. And it's like, well, voting's not going to change anything. No, certainly not. Thank you, Ziggy, for the call tonight. Yeah. I appreciate hearing from you. In some areas, the, uh, the, the southern Afghanistan, where the Taliban is uh, you know, very well entrenched, there's, the voting was as low as 8%. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, how, how can you even call that legitimate? 51%. Well, what, what is legitimate? I, I'm just saying, 51% of 8%. You're talking about a pretty small number there. Of Seems pretty that, typical. I mean, that's, that's a lot about what, I mean, that's about what turns out at many local elections around America. Local elections, sure. I mean, it's been as low as 3% around here, from what I understand. Yeah. It goes up to as high as 12 17%, but it's usually no, not more than that. If you want more people to turn out, it's a, if it's a presidential election, you'll see closer to 50%. But it's, they, it's not even usually 50% in the presidential election. On the times that they're going to vote on issues in particular, they'll often manipulate um, that. If they believe that getting more people out will be better for the issue, then they'll put it in a, you know, during the presidential election. If they believe that getting fewer people out will be better for the issue, then they'll put it in some off election where nobody will go to. So like they, if it's something that benefits the bureaucrats so that they can have their, sure. their own school teachers come out and all vote for something that yep. they're going to gain from they'll probably uh likely give the girl um the the school teachers the day off so they can go and vote and the whole thing yeah which is why they'll you'll never see or very rarely will you see instances of zero voter turnout because there are always people that are within the system that have an incentive to come out and get involved in their own process to perpetuate it there are the occasional stories that you'll see after any major election season. There's usually a story about some little town somewhere that has a population of 12, somebody running for mayor there, and no one even comes out. I think there was a story about how somebody didn't even vote for themselves, and so therefore nobody <laughs> voted in the election. Yeah. But the town itself only had a 40 population or something like that. And so, yeah, there are those instances of non-voting, but you don't see the town governments dissolving or anything no. like that. They just continue to perpetuate themselves, regardless of the fact that people came out and voted, which is why I just, I think there are some people that are, that are in, of the voluntarist persuasion that are very anti-voting and, and somehow believe that if they could just convince everyone to stop voting, that the government would go away. I think if you could convince people to ignore the state in general, then there's not much they could do about that. But if all you're going to do is stop voting, you need to have a much more holistic uh, approach to that that particular right. it, tactic. It seems like the the drum that they beat, um, like the first the, uh, the the way that they get attention, for instance, for what they're doing is uh, you know not voting. And I, I I see a lot of good things about agorism, but I don't think that uh, you're going to bring topple the government by having a garden at home and pr- trading with your your friends in gold and silver. And I'm so, I'm sorry that that's it's just not going to happen. So that's that's where I show up on it. Certainly, it's going to take more than uh, you know just networking with your friends in your small closed community. It's going to take making the masses aware of why you're doing this, of the the reasons behind it, of what's going to happen. You know when the dollar collapses, and you know all I'm of- all for education, Sam. However, mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about some of these local elections, it's a heck of a lot easier. Um, to get together, say, 4% of the population to go uh, in, in, a, in a given town and vote for a particular thing than it is to get 98% of the people to say, we're just not paying our property taxes. I mean, it seems like a lot of the, the philosophy... You don't need 98%. It's it's going to be difficult enough to get one percent, but I think if you could get one percent, really, you really think that fifty fifty percent of people didn't pay their property taxes, that it would really matter to the bureaucrats? 
They'd co- they'd take your property on paper, and well, then they do what they, they want with it. But they'd have later. to actually take you out of the property. No, no, they don't. They can sell it later, and then you know the cops come. Eventually, they'll evict you. Somebody owns that property at that point. Then you're living no, on somebody. You're stolen the property. It, you're saying if 50% of the people didn't pay property taxes, absolutely, I, the I government absolutely would fold. Th- they do not have the money. Fold? Are you kidding me? Fifty percent. They mark? have your money. They have 50, they have the money of fifty percent. If you of the can get fifty percent of the people to not pay property taxes, then the the political system will have already completely changed by that point. Yeah, I, I think that much is true. Okay, then. But, so then why, what are we talking know? about that for? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you can get one percent of any given population to simultaneously not pay and make a uh, popular issue out of it, give it as much uh, coverage as you possibly can. Focus in on each individual family, each individual household, and tell their story as to what their motivations are, why they're doing this. Maybe they want to send their you know, homeschool their kid, and they don't feel like sending money to the government school system or something like that. I know I'd feel that way if I were a parent. Uh, tell their story, and I then, do feel that way. I am a parent. I understand that. Uh, so you tell their story, and you get people to empathize with them, and maybe some will join them, maybe they'll just support them. But either way, if you had 1% in, in a place like Keene, New Hampshire, 25,000 people live around here, 1% is 250, I believe 250 Sounds people. Right, yeah. uh, so that's a lot of darn people not it, paying property taxes, uh, four to a household. I mean, to, you, you know, you've got a significant chunk of... You, you are running right up on what the government does the best, though, right? They force people to do things. And that's, that's okay. where they're very, very... The, the thing they're very, very best... Right. No, no, no. You, what they do best is isolate the, the few individuals who stand up against the state and crush them. They do not know how to handle a, a mass uh, uprising of people saying no. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. There's been some disobedience here in New Hampshire, but big news out of Mexico. We'll get to that. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo and possibly their video to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See it for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. AudiblePodcast.com offers over 60,000 downloadable audiobooks, magazines, and radio shows for your iPod or MP3 player. Get over there and try, um, try it out today by downloading one of their free audiobooks at AudiblePodcast.com slash FTL. As a matter of fact, the new Terry Goodkind book is available on AudiblePodcast.com, and all you have to do is uh, to get, get it free is go and sign up at AudiblePodcast.com slash FTL. I did it today. It's fast and easy. All right, we're continuing with your phone calls. Bob is in Ohio, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bob. Hello, fellas. God bless, and good evening. What's on your mind tonight, Bob? Well, a few things. Uh, uh, first of all, that was total information, total misinformation on the one statement that fellow made about oil shortage. There's and what shortage? What oil about? shortage. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, okay, he, that was total misinformation. There's there's a number of other points I'd like to share with. Well, what what are you suggesting that there is no oil shortage? No, sir. There is no oil shortage. It's a control mechanism of the globalists. Okay, we we sell eighty percent of the oil that comes out of the Alaska pipelines, which are controlled with the output 
put out from Alaska lines and a lot of reservoirs untapped up there, 80%. Most of that oil, that 80%, go, most of it goes to the Asian countries. Okay. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if what you're saying was true, and that is that uh, there are certain uh, very exclusive groups of people that have access to oil fields and, you know, would uh, possibly gather together in a cartelized sort of form to uh, restrict the amount that's uh, that's being tur- churned out. And uh, there are people that say that, uh, that the earth just continually produces more oil. So uh, I'm personally somebody that doesn't believe in the, the, the lack mentality and the, the shortage uh, mentality. So I see where you're coming from. But Bob... Okay, there's some other information I'd like to share. Well, too. hold on. Uh, we've got a question for you, Bob. So, Bob, you're saying that the peak oil is not reality? or I, help, me, help me understand that. Because the concept of peak oil is not that the world's going to run out, but when you first drill into an oil field, you have all of the pressure that's there, and as you drain the oil from it, uh, that pressure continues to drop, and you have to pump in sand or pump in other materials to help increase that pressure and the harder and harder it gets the more expensive that oil is to extract so prices are going to naturally rise and that's going to create havoc in the marketplace you're saying that doesn't exist or that's not a problem today no there's there's many factors involved that is a a very serious uh part of the topic that you brought up Mm -hmm. Uh, okay that is that is a, a serious issue uh i'll make this statement God put that oil down there to help absorb shock from the continental drifts and continents. That's my logical conclusion. The the reason for oil, one of the reasons for oil is God. <laughs> so so uh, oil is God's cartilage. That's right. There you go. Who knows? And, th- uh, th- that's right. Thank uh, you, Bob, shocker. for the call tonight. I appreciate yeah, hearing I from got you. Another t- oh, you've got another one. Are you still there? Uh, uh, hello. Yeah. Go ahead. Quick. Quick. Very quickly, the largest untapped oil reserve in the world today, or at least one of them, untapped, is off the coast of uh, Vietnam in the near the China Sea. There, what, the largest. I understand. I was told the very largest. Okay, and the relevance of that is what? Well, we have to look at that on the basis of future economics. And, and, you know, oil, oil is cash, cash is power. So people need to take that into consideration with global economics. What is that uh, supposed to mean? I, I, just, I guess uh, I don't understand what you're getting at. Well, that, it, that goes back to being told the oil shortage. And, and so economically, the Chinese have access, is what I'm saying, the Chinese has access to the largest Oil, untapped oil reserves in the world. Well, okay. we're doomed. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. I don't, I don't know why I should be concerned about that. We are doomed. Well, you know, I watched a, a documentary, a couple on peak oil, and it, it is a really a, a real concern that's going to become very important over the next few decades. And here's why. Food production 100 years ago used to take less than, I think, 50 calories. I don't remember the exact... Uh, the exact numbers, but 50 calories of energy to produce one calorie of food or to grow it and so forth. To a few years ago, that was up to 2,000 calories of energy that's coming from petroleum oil to produce one calorie of food. And now it's over. Why would that be? 
10,000 because we why, have... Why would it take more uh, calories to produce more, more energy to produce less energy than now than it did in the past? I would think growing methods, uh, it's my understanding, they become more fruitful. Well, it, it's true because you have, uh, you, you know, used to have these local farmers using horses and so forth to pull their plows through the dirt, whereas now you have tractors. Mm-hmm. And you go to the grocery store, you can get food from all over the world. Well, it takes gasoline, it takes trucks, it takes trains, okay. it takes airplanes that. to get that food distributed all over the world. So essentially, we are burning 10,000 calories of petroleum for every one calorie of food that is produced. And as the prices of oil go up, the prices of food are going to rise uh, almost in lockstep That's with true. that. That's true, sure, because yep. everything has to be delivered. Sure. And with the government consolidating farmers and putting all of this legislation in place to create these larger corporate conglomerates and farms and so forth that centralize food production, they do that by using all of that petroleum. So America or most of the world is going to be in big trouble when peak oil starts to take effect. Well, there's... Um but one thing you have to look at in this scenario, though, is sure, um, oil could go up to four or five dollars a gallon, um, and gasoline gasoline prices go up four or five, six dollars a gallon. We've we've had that happen, and it it really did put a kind of a crimp in our style. Yeah. But we were able to handle you know, the people were able to handle it. They traveled less. They figured out how to budget themselves uh, differently. Something will come along. It gave an opportunity, although uh, however short the window was, um, for alternative fuels and alternative ways of doing things to come about. Uh, you know, just the uh, oil tends to be at this point, petroleum tends to be the cheapest way to power things. However, once it got more, if it got more expensive, it would a be that, you know, more areas that have like shale oil and things like that would become available, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to be, become cost effective to to mine and, and look at it and also. Alternative energy. Alternative, different alternatives. Not not just green energy necessarily, yeah. but there's all kinds of different energy out there. Um, I've I've seen wood burning cars. It just changes before. form after yeah. all. Yep. So it I, I think we I think we can handle it. It's uh, I you know peak oil tends to come come with this kind of scare mentality that goes with it. And I'm not saying that it's um, it's not true. I, I I don't know whether the Earth just produces oil on its own or whether it comes from dead dinosaurs, as I was told in the Exxon commercial when I was little, or Texaco or whatever it was. But I, I, it, it, either way, we will figure something out. And I, I totally believe in man's ability to do that. Unless the government decides to step in the way and prevent people from figuring something out, I, I tend to agree with where you're coming from there. 800-259-9231. The marketplace has an amazing ability to take what was at one time perhaps a nuisance or some sort of product that people didn't know what the hell to do with, which is what oil was in the past. It was a pollutant to, to farmland. And then turn uh, figure out how to turn it into gold, basically. It's, we're coming up. Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Inviting you to our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. We have updates, so you can get signed up. 
get kept in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on that list free. That's updates. Dot freetalklive.com. The Walking Liberty Half Dollar uh, is currently available through Midas, Midas Resources at $8.69. This uh, silver coin served Americans for 40 or 50 years, um, and it's considered to be one of the uh, most beautiful uh, coins ever designed by the U.S. Mint, and you can get them for $8.69 by going to silver.freetalklive.com. That's silver.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is... Uh, joined up with Midas Resources to bring you this deal. Let's let's address uh, something that an objection that someone brought up about that last night. We mentioned that for the first time. Yes. And you got a, an email or a post on the BBS that your your attention was directed to, where someone had gone to try to buy one of it was uh, you were advertising the Lakota, yep. which is also uh, available. I think it's nineteen dollars, nineteen dollars and forty cents. Nineteen dollars and seventy cents. Seventy cents, less than twenty bucks uh, for one of the one ounce of silver Lakotas, mm-hmm. which is very very beautiful from what I can tell. I'm looking forward to uh, getting some myself. But somebody went to try to order one of them and was shocked at the shipping price. Yep, there's. Uh, it basically costs them about the same to ship uh, one as it does to to ship uh, twenty of them. There's a there's uh, insurance that they have to take out on it, registered mail, because you don't obviously. Would you want to p- to put a silver coin in the mail to send somebody that you don't know, unregistered and uninsured? Does that sound like a good idea? Well, I, I figured you know you've got to pay the whoever it is that's doing the shipping to yeah. do the shipping, and so the idea here when you're buying silver is to buy more than an ounce, right? Yeah. I mean, well, if you want to get a good price on the shipping, that um, yes, I agree with that entirely, and that's going to be a, um, a good thing to do. But we're also setting up something um, here that'll probably will roll out next week into next week where. Uh, I'm going to allow listeners to essentially give a certain amount per month or per week or whatever um, to be automatically debited from their credit card or bank account. An and auto ship? Silver auto ship? It won't be auto ship necessarily. They'll hold on to the silver until a large enough amount is then oh. collected so that you'll, you won't be paying all that out in shipping. That's pretty cool. It's, it's like a little investment program. I wish that that I could have at one point essentially put a certain amount away towards silver coins. And you know, one of the biggest problems with silver and gold is shipping. Right. It, so it, once you get to a certain level, you can set whatever level that is going to trigger the amount to actually create correct. the shipment. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'd get nervous having my silver sitting somewhere, having dealt with the, the Liberty Dollar uh, in the past, which yeah. was a great experiment. Unfortunately, now uh, just it's a mess because the federal government came in and raided their offices and stole all the uh, the silvers. So. That's still a it doesn't neat seem idea, likely um, in the you know Midas Resources does something very similar to what many gold purveyors do. Oh yeah, Liberty Dollar is doing something entirely different. Certainly things can happen, and you want to have your silver on you. However, when you're talking about shipping, say. 20 Lakotas, you're really only talking about $400 worth of uh, silver. So depending on how right. much you manage to put away uh, per month, it, it, you know, it doesn't take too long to get to that, that point. To, to, to line up. And, Pretty cool. Yeah. It's a neat idea. I've never heard of anything like that before. But it's mine. All right. Congratulations. I am a super genius. Let's continue with your phone calls. Scott is in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Sam, and Mark. Hello, Scott. Yeah, how you doing there, Sam, Ian, and uh, Mark? i got a couple things I wanted to talk to you tonight and take okay. a little time. Did you guys um, hear in the past, oh, I think it was Hebron or Hebron, California, where they shut the pumps off to the tunnels, uh, water, uh, to a lot of the vegetable and fruit fields because of a two-inch endangered fish. Yeah, I did hear about that. I think somebody I called in. I you guys to comment on that. What do you think that's about? And, I think it's uh, a shame. I, I think it's a shame. I mean, I understand animals are, are great. I love animals, um, all four 
taking care of them. And, and I think that there are plenty of people out there that would be willing to buy plots of land. I know the Nature Conservancy does this. They buy plots of land and they keep them in their native element, maybe going in and doing a little bit of upkeep to the land, but otherwise, you know, keeping it in uh, its pristine condition uh, so animals can live on it un- unmolested. But I think that if you own a piece of property and you're trying to do something with it, in this case, farm or develop or whatever it is that you're trying to do with it, the government people should not be able to come in and say, oh, sorry about this. We're just going to have to stop your farming because of this fish or this bird well, or whatever. You know, back in the, I think it was the, the 90s, Rush Limbaugh was doing this thing about the, the spotted owl out in the uh, Pacific Northwest. And he was showing how these spotted owls that they were so, so in danger that their pristine environment is being destroyed were living in billboards and uh, mailboxes and barns. And they were figuring it out on their own that, the, that you know, left to their own devices, these owls would figure it out. And it, the fact is these laws really do damage to the animal that uh, they're trying to protect. In Florida, I was told if you buy a piece of property and you see a scrub jay on it, shoot it. Because then if you see a scrub jay, basically you can't build anywhere, you can't do anything with your property. You've just basically bought a piece of property that you will be, now be paying property taxes on and you can't do anything well, with it. If someone so, finds out. Right. If so, Well, if somebody finds out about the scrub jay. Right. So <laughs> the advice of the real estate agent was shoot it immediately. What is that going to do for the scrub jay population? It's not going to be good. It's because of the law that these these creatures are, in fact, even more endangered. Now, granted, in the private market, uh, water companies that are there to deliver water are going to be incented to find new sources to provide water, whatever it takes. So this is likely not going to happen. But I've never really thought about the scenario of what if I have a, a piece of property that uh, backs up to a river or a river runs through it, and somebody upstream uh, has a large farm, and they divert most of that water to water their fields. But, you know, five years ago, I built a plant that needs water from that river as well, and now it's not available. What's what's my remedy there? That's a good question. Uh, I guess it would depend on if anyone owns that river. Do well, you own a piece of the river? I own the part that runs through my property, but so does the guy upstream, and who's to say that... He can use the water, and I can't. The only way that there, uh, I think that anything would be said was if there would be an agreement between you guys. Mm-hmm. And if there's no agreement, then I don't know how an arbitrator would decide on something like that. I mean, it's it's hard to predict necessarily. We're talking about a world in which there is no government, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd, you'd have to have an agreement to really know for sure how something like that would come out. And if there is no agreement, then it'd be up to an arbitrator to decide. And he might just say, "Hey, this is his part of the river, and he decided to divert it over here. Hey, that's the way thing, things go." I don't know. It's a good question. Doesn't seem likely. When you buy a piece of property and it has a, a river that's going through that piece of property, I mean, you bought the river too. So if somebody does something to take away the river, in the same way, if the guy starts dumping things that um, in his upstream of the river, then it comes down to you. He's clearly polluting it. He's doing the same thing by taking the river. I don't know that uh, polluting it is one thing, but actually diverting it to water my crops on it's my a field. That's a resource that I'm using, and, you know, who's to a, say somebody else upstream couldn't do the same thing? First come, first serve. I don't know. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound like that's how people would uh, come, I don't come, know. come to that conclusion. Like I said, I, I'm, I don't know. All I can do is speculate, right? I don't know how yeah. uh, an arbitrator would decide on something like that. Uh, so what else did you have for us tonight, Scott? Well, I, I haven't heard you guys talk much about this uh, swine flu. Um, What's there to say? It's weird um, that... Uh, they are going, and my wife works in a hospital here, and she come home the other night and said that all the kids going to school on the first day are going to have a physical. Oh, really? 
well, anyways, this swine flu, they, they, I guess the new world order has moved it up to uh, level six worldwide. What does that mean? And they're saying uh, in these shots is nothing but poison. Uh, mercury is in them, and they're saying now that the new swine flu virus has the squalin virus in. From well, I don't know who they... First of all, I don't know who they are. You keep saying they're saying they're saying. I don't know what's true out there, but I do know that uh, I'm not concerned, really, about well, the swine my, flu. My, well, my question is this. Um, if they come, do you have kids? I do not. Mark does. Okay, does Sam or Mark? I do. Okay, are you going to let them uh, come and give your... My question is, are you going to let, let them come and give your kids a shot? No. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You wouldn't be sending your kid to the government school in the first place. No, I think that's that's where the first problem goes in. And, um, and if that's true, it's pretty outrageous if they're going to be giving kids physicals. I and had an adverse to reaction to the, uh, the flu vaccine anyway, so it wouldn't matter to me whatever kind of fictitious uh, you know, nonsense they say is in it. I, in fact, am allergic to, to flu vaccines, and therefore I would suspect my son was more likely to be that way too. All right, more on the way here. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it is Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. They include things like the Shrine of Female Listeners, live streams, and more. Uh, and if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So if that's valuable to you and you want to get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, head over to amp.freetalklive.com, become a Free Talk Live amplifier. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Sam, I know you want to touch on swine flu. We're going to come back around to that. Let's go first, though, to the lady callers. Joe is on the line in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Joe. I'm going to be as brief as I can. It's, it's kind of difficult to do. I own I bought property in Texas, mm-hmm. 35 acres. My husband was in the Navy. We needed the money so badly that I, I struggled to pay for this property with. I knew that there was going to be a uh, um, highway widened adjoining my property. Uh, my property lay only or laid lay only about um, 350 feet off of the highway that was going to be widened. Okay. And I knew that I had wonderful highway uh, sand, you know, to build to build highway with. And so I struggled many years to pay for the property at $50 a, an acre. It's, you know, $50 an acre. And um, uh, the powers that be, they, um, wouldn't allow my property be, sand to be used. The dump trucks uh, drove through school districts, tore up the uh, Texas um, uh, highways uh, to haul the sand 45 miles one way. So, Joe, let me see if I'm understanding what you're saying. You had property by a highway. They were going to expand the highway. You believed they would just use the the sand that was already part of your property to build the highway with, 
and you said that it, rather than use your sand on your property, and per, I presume you mean pay you for it, they decided yeah. to uh, to go with some, whatever the corporate sand provider was that they made uh, some sort of deal with, and as you're saying, spent all kinds of gas to oh, truck the yeah. sand to your property, and, uh, you know, instead of using the sand that was right there, which would have made it more, you're saying would have made more economic sense for them? Well, yes, my property lay right next to the highway. Got it. And then rather than use my pro- my my sand, uh, they hauled, you know, hauled it 45 miles one way. Well, I'm sure uh, their excuse is that, uh, you know, they wanted to give the truckers jobs and that they wanted to give this contract to their buddies. Because that's what governments do is they, well, they you know, they help their friends and they punish their enemies. And I'm not saying that you're necessarily someone who's been identified as their enemy, but you're definitely not one of their friends, so they're not interested in, in doing anything to help you out. Well, it would be. Well, I was on I was on the high on the um, air uh, airways the way you are. You know, I, I was always blo- uh, opening my big mouth, and yes, I I, I became their enemy. Oh, really? And what did they do? So to you? they punished me. They I was punished by uh, by not allowing my sand to be used. Very did they, did they pick on you in, in any other fashion, or was it that just it? Oh, well, um, no, there, that wasn't the only only way. I had people tell me they knew where I lived and where my children went to school. and uh, yeah. So no, they had I threatened had a, you, so they threatened you after you spoke up about their inefficiency? Well, that and other things. You know, the, I'm, I've always been very political. I see. Uh, I, I attribute that to my family. Uh, my Grandfather on my my uh, um, fraternal. It, it doesn't matter where it, come, it came from, but I, yeah, I definitely appreciate. He, he, t- he took me to he took me to rallies when I was a little girl. I see, I see. Uh, you know, political rallies. You know, it just became... goes to show, Joe, that uh, that the political realm is not without risk. I know a lot oh of people my. believe they believe that uh, just by getting involved in politics, they're relatively safe. But if you start rocking the apple cart, then the bureaucrats. May very well target you. Is it sound like uh, sounded like some well, of them did trying to intimidate you? And I'm sorry. Well, to hear not about only that, that. I, sp- I spent 15. I was sentenced to 30 days in jail my, uh, with with six other people. Uh, Why was because, that? Because well, my my uh, son-in-law refused to get uh, to pay tribute to drive down our highways, and he wouldn't get a driver's license and a and a um and a why tag did they, for his, Why did they put you tag, in jail for for what he did? Well, because we went that we went to court to um, uphold him, you know, to be uh, to support to, him, to, sure, to support him, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we wouldn't stand when the judge walked into the into the court. I really? said, well, you know, I don't. I I've slept with my husband forty five years, and I and I don't uh, walk in. I don't stand up when he walks in the door. In the room, sure. Room. Why should I? Sure. What no. did they do to you because of that? Did they arrest you because you didn't stand well, for the yeah. judge? <gasps> well, really? they, yeah, they they arrested uh, seven of us and put us in jail for. We were sentenced to thirty days in jail for My contempt goodness. for not standing. We were very quiet. We were very. We weren't disruptive in any way. We just refused to stand when the judge walked in the door. And, I think uh, that's heroic of you, Joe. I, I want to thank you for doing that. I think that if I wish more people had the, that kind of courage to buck the system in that way, to not bow down or, in this case, stand up uh, for the man. I think that that took a lot of uh, courage, and you should be commended for it. How long did you end up spending in jail? Was it all 15 or 30 days? Fifteen days, and I was extremely ill. My goodness. How old were you at the time? I was, uh, well, uh, I was in 84, and I'm um, 
Well, that that's something I'm. No, that was in '82, and I'm '84. So <laughs> how many? Oh, I don't know how many years. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been. I refuse to buckle. Good for you. I, I think that's awesome. And I, I I was shocked when I heard that that happened. But I guess I'm just so used to things up here in New Hampshire, where regularly entire courtrooms full of people will not stand for the judge, and he just kind of ignores us at this point. Uh, he was upset about it at, at first, I think, and then uh, realized it wasn't going to stop. Uh, oh, so, I didn't know that. That's yeah. wonderful. It is exciting, isn't it? Oh, it is. Thank you for your it story is. tonight. Uh, Mark, did you have a question? Well, I was just, I, well, not a question. I was just going to point out that uh, Quakers have, uh, throughout you know the, the the centuries up here in New England and around uh, America and around the world, they refuse to stand for judges too because they don't believe that God recognizes one man above another and that they should uh, that they shouldn't have to do it either. They won't remove their hats in a courtroom, um, and uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't stand for a judge. Well, do you know that was cited? Uh, that was cited. That it was um, it was it was we were not unprecedented. Yep. It was done other parts of the country sure and those people don't go to jail but well that didn't stop them though i mean even though it was no, cited it, did it didn't stop them from hurting you let me tell you uh, i'll shock you again okay. by telling you who finally came to our defense now no one no churches no you know not the 700 club club not ptl not anybody came to our defense but i'll tell you who did you ready are you sitting down we're sitting the aclu a c L-U. It's not a surprise. It's Joe. Joe, the ACLU gets a real bad rap from the so-called conservative hosts on talk radio because they, you know, so- sometimes support so-called liberal issues, and so they get painted into this corner as though they're, uh, for whatever reason, anti-American. I've I've seen, uh, from what I've seen, the ACLU is a lot of the time on the side of freedom, and you know, I didn't the know right that. thing. Yeah, but now you. Well, I went to jail. I didn't know that. I th- I thought really, uh, I had fought them for years. I did not know. Uh, you know, we because believe it or not, uh, even way back yonder, honey, we haven't had freedom of speech and freedom sure. of the news. So I do believe I that. I didn't know. And I Joe, didn't know that. I thank you so much for your story tonight and, and sharing that with us. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate it and I admire your courage to not stand up for that tyrannical man in a black robe. Thank you for the call tonight. And how interesting that after she went through that situation, she discovered something about the ACLU that she didn't necessarily realize. And and it's not fair the way they, they talk about the ACLU on most talk radio. Well, like they're an organization of evil and it's a bunch of nonsense. They support the gay people, you know. Um, Is that what it's about? It, uh, in a lot of cases, it's about that. That's despicable. And, that, and, and, and They're um, angry and at them for that. Don't forget the Mexicans. Um, and, you know, that, right, because gay people and Mexicans shouldn't be free, right? Is that the idea? Well, they shouldn't be free in this country. They can go Apparently be free not. in their own countries. That is, uh, that is just absolutely detestable in my book. And I'm glad that Joe was able to at least, you know, take something positive away from that. That, uh, you know, maybe she'd been wrong about that particular organization. Is the ACLU always on the side of freedom? No, no. certainly not. Certainly not. I'm sure there but, will be plenty of instances where they're not. But it's this moronic, ignorant mentality that is propagated in the world of talk radio that... Well, if they're bad on these issues, then they're just bad to the bone, and they're not worthy of even... You shouldn't even give them a critical second look. Uh, just take our word for it. Bad organization. And then whenever you see the letters ACLU, you think, oh, those guys are bad. I remember what I heard on Rush Limbaugh. Yep. 
Well, and I read a letter, or I received a letter from a congressperson or something, talking about the ACLU was originally started to re-legalize cocaine and other drugs like that. And I remember being shocked to think the ACLU does that, but it's because I didn't have the foundation to understand liberty. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour number two is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. As we go right back to your phone calls, Ryan is in California, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ryan. Ryan in California going once. Ryan in California going twice. I heard a noise. I thought I heard something there. All right, we'll let you go. Thanks for the call. We go to Unscreened Caller. You're on the amp line on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, Xander from Illinois. Xander, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, Actually, what I was going to call about was, uh, well, I saw something about uh, Michael Jackson's doctor, uh, basically, they're saying he's going to be brought up on manslaughter charges any time now. Who is this? I'm and, sorry. What doctor? What? Oh, Michael Jackson's doctor basically gave him drugs that weren't necessarily easily obtained, if you will. Like, I see. It was like on the drip like, that put you into a coma. Apparently, he was giving to this every, every night. Wow. Or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty screwed up. But basically... But that's what Michael Jackson wanted. He was just doing what his client wanted, right? Yep. Okay. But apparently that's illegal. Yeah. And so basically they're saying any day now he'll be brought up on manslaughter charges. And if he did an overdose on him or something, maybe. I don't know. But I'm sure we'll find out about it soon and everything. But whatever. Well, that's sad. I think people should be able to buy whatever kinds of drugs they want to and shoot them, shoot up as much of it as they'd like. And obviously, there's nothing, there's no law that had that was able to stop Michael Jackson from doing that to himself, if that's indeed what happened, because he did it yeah, anyway. Yeah. And now they're just going to punish this guy after the fact, as though he did anything criminal. Well, if Michael get- Jackson was looking for this product, he just provided it. That's all he did. There's no criminal act there. Yeah, well, yeah. how are you going to, as a prosecutor, get your name, uh, you know, out there uh, when somebody, 
if somebody important dies in your jurisdiction, well, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity to... To, to grandstand? Be, yeah. To, to be the one who's tough on drugs. Promote your career over someone else's life uh, livelihood? Clearly, this doctor made some level of a mistake. I, um, you know, if, if nothing else... I'm my, sure he was paid well for this. I'm sure it wasn't a mistake. He probably just thought he would not, not get caught. Well, no, I mean, he administered the drugs shortly before Michael Jackson died. Oh, he administered them. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. I he thought was he there. just prescribed the, uh, the drugs. He was there in this particular instance, at least that's as I understand the story. I know nothing about the story, so sure. take your word um, for it. So, I mean, yeah, did Michael Jackson uh, take these drugs regularly? Yes, he did. Um, I'm sure he probably took them sometimes uh, without the doctor administering them, and mm-hmm. probably sometimes with the doctor administering them. I, I'm sure his his body was torn apart by abuse of drugs. It seemed like he had a very unhappy life. Uh, you know, the doctor made some level of a mistake. Should he go to jail for it? I don't think so. I mean, his client wanted these drugs administered, from what I can tell. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Sander? Yeah, I mean, it just made me think of, uh, like, just drugs in general, because, I mean, it just seems like we have celebrities dying just as often by uh, prescription drugs that it's like it's intellectually dishonest when we put them all on a different scale. Oh, this is out in the market. Oh, this isn't. And I think that's why we're seeing so many people die from, you know, prescription drugs, if you will. So, you know, if you put them on a level playing field, you force people to get educa- educated about such things, you know. Wait, when you say putting them on a level playing field, what do you mean? Oh, I mean, like... Just make them available, you know. I see. And, and, but also not considering illegal drugs in a different category because they're prohibited compared with some of the uh, prescription drugs that are out there that people abuse as um, narcotics. I mean, they're really the same yeah. thing. Thank you, Xander, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from right. you at 800-259-9231. Indeed, if uh, many of the illegal drugs were actually available, I mean, because... I think that they should all be available, and I think that's what Xander was kind of getting at there, is that not only should the prescription drugs be not prescription, they should just be available to anybody that wants to purchase them. Certainly, the smart thing to do is to consult with an expert before you go and do something like that. Uh, go ahead and find out what the doctor says, or do your research online, or both, and you know, get as much information as you can to make the decision, which is what you're going to do anyway. If you're going to take a drug that's prescribed to you, you're hopefully doing it as an informed choice, as an informed consumer. You're doing it because you trust you know, the doctor's recommendation in that case. But if you know what you need to get, as many people do, they've been prescribed something once, but then they just have to keep going back because there's this refill count thing. And if the refills run out, you have to go back and get another prescription. Whereas if you know this product works for you, why do you have to go back? It's just to put more money in the doctor's pockets. That's all the prescription setup is really all about. It's about funneling money that would otherwise not have to go to those doctors to those doctors in order so people can get access to the products that they need. It's not like you can't go uh, to the on-the-shelf products like Tylenol or whatever and, and overdose and hurt yourself with those things. So the argument that the prescription process keeps people safe is pretty absurd because I can go poison myself tonight. All I have to do is go down to CVS and buy some stuff off the shelf and pour it down my throat. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a big problem to to, uh, to kill myself or to really seriously harm myself with off-the-shelf chemicals. So that excuse doesn't ring true at all for me. There is no excuse for the prescription process. It's nothing more than a protection racket. So you take the prescription drugs out of the prescription status, make them available, 
and take the illegal drugs out of the prescription status, make them available as well, because as we've seen, there have been some very interesting studies done, of course, a whole lot of them on marijuana, showing that it does amazing things for people that are very sick, whether it's multiple sclerosis or cancer patients trying to keep their medicines down, so many different things, uh, pain, re- uh, pain reduction, a lot of it, chronic pain, a lot of it, uh, marijuana does some amazing stuff. And we've started to also hear things about other things like uh, like ecstasy, commonly call, thought of as a, a party drug. The actual part, the drug part of ecstasy that is uh, commonly thought of as ecstasy is MDMA. That's the actual chemical uh, shorthand for, for what it is. Um, MDMA is the, the product. Sometimes when you're buying it in a club, it may be mixed with, with other things. But giving people MDMA in a uh, setting like uh, with a, a psychologist, I believe, is it psychologists or psychi- psychiatrists? Psychi- psychiatrists are doctors that can prescribe drugs. Right. It, it may be psychiatrists then, uh, one or the other. Either way, a mental health, mental health specialists have been experimenting behind the scenes because they can't do it openly or the DEA will come and stop them with using uh, MDMA to help people cope with traumatic uh, events in their past. And they've had amazing success with this. Yeah, well, I mean, that's actually the history of the drug is it was used by these psychologists who would give it to their patients and take them back through a traumatic event, a rape, a, a assault or you know something like that, maybe... They were abused by their parents as a child, and it would allow them to disconnect and see the experience in a different light. Mm-hmm. And, and they were able to find peace, and it worked for them, but it also got out and became very popular because of the euphoric feeling and so forth that you get. Um, and the, and then the uh, the FDA or the, the DEA moved in and made it illegal and uh, stopped all the sales of it and... and that's what we have today. So you move that out of the illegal status, you move the prescription drugs out of the prescription status, and just make it all available so people can go and just get what it is that would help them the best in their situation. Plus, let's also bring in all the uh, holistic uh, options as well that are not allowed to be advertised as far as what their effects can be. They, these are things, These natural, a lot of these natural remedies, many people swear by them. Some people will say, oh, it's total bunk, but... You know, if somebody says this helped them, who am I to disbelieve their story? You know, I was kind of, uh, you know, predisposed to believe that a lot of that natural stuff is bunk. And I don't know, but uh, I did have a situation relatively recently where my wife looked up online, what could be wrong with our cat? And she decided she was going to diagnose and treat the cat. And sure enough, she got some kind of bovine liver extract um, to put in the... Um, she actually had it, knew where to get this stuff, and mm-hmm. put it in the cat's uh, food. And sure enough, his skin's cleared up. That's not the placebo effect. No, the cat doesn't know what a placebo is. <laughs> and I took the cat to several vets, had tests run on the cat, and the vets weren't able to do it. Medical science couldn't fix my cat, at really? least not to the level that I was able to was willing to invest in the cat. I'm sure they could have taken the cat to the Mayo Clinic and uh, you know done all kinds of tests. But the bovine uh, liver extractor, organ extractor, whatever the heck it was, only cost five bucks. You want to lower the cost of health care, that's one of the ways to do it, is to allow the marketplace to actually be free so people can get the best remedies, so they can recommend the best remedies, so we can all get better. More on the way here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. If you're showing in, if you want to take control of the airwaves, you can dial in 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Sam. 
And Mark. And we invite you online at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, even a webcam. It's all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That is listen.freetalklive.com. Sigil CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Sickle knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. It's Sickle, C-A-I. Let's continue taking your phone calls about anything. That is the point of the show. Ladies first, Lauren, listening to WAIS in Ohio. Hey, Lauren, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Just super. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, so you forgot the um, jobs angle on the marijuana and the the cocaine and the heroin and the whatever it is people want to put in their body. What angle? Please explain. Well, think about it. Making marijuana illegal, that was the excuse to remove hemp from cultivation. Mm-hmm. That's the most widely used fiber in the world. We we don't use it because somebody might smoke it and relax. we got to sell them Prozac. <laughs> we got to, you know, 42 to 1 legal pharmaceuticals, properly prescribed pharmaceuticals cause death. Yeah, it's Every, very rare. All the illegal drugs combined. Yep, it's very rare that illegal drugs actually lead to someone dying, and typically... It's not even in the top ten causes of death. Oh, no, no, not and, at all. And, and this is the thing. If they were really interested in helping people, they would be helping eliminate the top ten causes of death. And what would do that? Oh, eating hemp, having enough protein, having enough minerals, having enough enzymes, having enough fatty acids. So Wrong, marijuana, hello? as far as I'm concerned, is it's a, it's a, it's pretty much a miracle drug for some people. It really does amazing. No, no, no. You, this isn't the drug part of it. This isn't just sm- Look, at, I was a drug rep. I used to yeah. sell for the sister company that sells Marinol, which is man-made uh, THC. Right. Is that actually which sprayed on it, paper? It's not as good. Uh, that's Hello? Is, is that is it actually sprayed onto paper and then delivered to patients? I've heard that. I don't know if it's true. No, it's a pill, it's a pill. and it's fairly okay. expensive. And I just we, I used to sell cancer drugs. I mean, you know, I was a drug rep. So, but anyway, the whole point is, and I sold head drugs. This is the thing that I'm trying to say to you. God gave us everything we need, and even if you don't believe in God, if you can look at a plant, think about what petrochemical pharmaceuticals are. They're imitations of what God made. So you're copying. The THC from the marijuana, from the hemp cultivar. Meantime, the, the cultivar that you use for rope, for plastic, for clothes, for um, food, clothing, shelter, fuel, uh, steel, 10 times stronger than steel. Remember the old ship Ironsides? They just retired last year. 40,000 acres of hemp. Hemp for victory. Military, it was... Uh, Wait a minute, um, hemp is stronger than steel? That's a new one on Ten my times stronger than steel. Remember, Henry Ford made a car of hemp, flax, and linen in 1941. Really? You could run the car. When I think of a hemp oil. car, yeah. I think of, I think of like Cheech and Chong's first movie where they no, had no, that car made out of marijuana bricks. About. Look it. I teach my children from <laughs> old books. In 1888, here's a campaign poster from Garfield and Harrison. Garfield, uh, Harrison was for protecting American production. Across the southern states, it said, protect American corn, hemp, rice, and fruits. Mm. It was, it's like, it's like them saying, okay, you guys can't grow fruit anymore because, well, we say it's bad for you. Yeah, someone might uh, eat the so flowers you and can't get high. Use that. Who are these people? And the thing is, if, even if you find, if you don't want drugs, good, good. If you grew industrial hemp, it would contaminate the open air crops. I mean, you'd have to do it inside if you were going to do it. 
So, I mean, this is good for people who hate drugs. This is good. This is jobs for America. This is cars. This is plastic. is an amazing, and clean. Yeah, it really is an amazing product, and I, I understand why people are so excited by it. It can do some wonderful things, which, of course, when you look and you trace back the history of marijuana prohibition, you really start to find out that it was, indeed, uh, certain industrialists that were behind the, the whole demonization of cannabis. That's simply right. For so what purpose? So they could eliminate the competition. I know it was Hearst was uh, obviously a big newspaper man. He was and, Patrice. And what yeah. happened to the records between 1890 and 1920? The records? The records. The historical records are in horrible shape for 1890s to 1920s. Uh, specifically in, in regards to what? They started using tree pulp paper instead of hemp. The Constitution was written on hemp. Hemp is sturdy. Hemp, you know, hemp genes last 100 years. It's, 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 it's good stuff. That's why it's the number one fiber in the world. But Americans, we don't grow it. Who are these people telling us, hey, cut your throat? Criminal hey, gangsters. Hey, cut your arm off. They're criminal gangsters. They're control freaks. And they're sickos. And I thank you for the call. Appreciate the expertise tonight. And I definitely appreciate the enthusiasm. 1 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. She's absolutely right about all of that. Yeah. And I'm sure Lauren knows the AMA was actually studying cannabis for a number of years before the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act, Act was passed. And they expected it to replace 50% of the painkillers on the market. Um, they, they thought that this was an amazing drug that they were looking forward to developing. And when they found out that Marijuana, this thing that had been uh, just publicized in the newspapers as this horrible killer drug. Yeah. When they found out that that was actually cannabis, what they were studying, they were shocked. Right, because they were calling it by a, what is essentially a slang term, marijuana. Came out of Mexico, yeah. Right, marijuana is a slang term for cannabis, which is the actual scientific uh, name cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, cannabis, what's the other one? Uh, Ritalis, I think. And so uh, cannabis is not is the actual term, whereas uh, marijuana, pot, all the other names are the slang terms. And so what you're saying is they were confused by the propaganda mm-hmm. when they'd heard about this evil marijuana. They didn't re- even even realize the connection. Yeah, and it was a Dr. Woodard who was consulted by the senator before the bill was passed, and he said absolutely not. You cannot make this illegal. The the senator went back and lied and said, oh no, the AMA is in complete agreement, and it was passed. Let's continue with your calls. Go to Gordon in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Gordon. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Gordon? Howdy. Well, I was calling. Uh, first of all, you're talking about drugs. So I have a funny Walmart story, just a short one. Okay, sure. Um, my wife and I both have problems with nasal congestion, and so we buy a lot of the generic Sudafed stuff, which mm-hmm. is one of these drugs that they now say you can't buy because people make meth out of it. Right, you have to show them identification, and it's a real runaround to try yeah, to get your hands on Yeah, you have to go through all of this stuff. So every time we're uh, out someplace where they sell it, because we we take it pretty often, um, we always buy whatever the maximum limit is. I go through the line and buy some. My wife goes through and buys some. Mm-hmm. And we were at the Walmart, and, and I was, for educational purposes, I was explaining to my son, who's uh, 15, I was saying, you know, this stuff, if they would just make it legal, we wouldn't have to go through all this stuff, and people could buy their their meth at Walmart. It would be higher quality, more, um, you know, it wouldn't be of uneven strength. It Correct. Would have impurities in it, and they'd be they'd still be meth addicts, but they'd be healthier meth addicts, and uh, and it would be cheaper. And then we wouldn't have to go through all of this stuff just to buy headache medicine. Absolutely. So we paid for all the stuff, and as we turned around to leave, the pharmacist said, in her very best, you know. Walmart greeter voice, she said, as we're walking away, enjoy your meth. 
Enjoy your meth? That's what she said. Ah, uh, so because you were talking about meth, you must be a, a drug user was she, about to manufacture well, no, she it. Was just, she was joking, being humorous right? about okay. it. Okay. She was hmm. just, you know, carrying on the conversation. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> so, what else is anyway. on your mind tonight, Gordon? All right, so the reason I was calling in was I think I have uh, basically a, a free market solution to the problem of the age of consent. Oh, excellent. Well, I'd love for you to share that with us, so hang on. We're going to get back to uh, Gordon here in moments. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. The age of consent, certainly an issue that uh, really gets people riled up. Can young people consent to sexual activity? What's Gordon's solution here in moments? We'll find out. 800-259-9231 and yours as well if you want to share it with us. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. The 20 franc has been made and trusted worldwide. They're about a fifth of an ounce of gold, easily carried on your person in case of emergencies, untracked by the government, of a size that one can do business with. Who would turn down a 100-year-old gold coin? Get them for $216 a piece. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877-857-9938, gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features that include the Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's facebook.freetalklive.com. I'd like to encourage you to try out the, the new vitamin I've been taking here uh, recently. It's Choose for Health Superfruit Complex. You can get a free week of it and to try it out and see how you like it. It's a chewable, which of course aids digestion. It includes uh, goji fruit, mangosteen, acai, and nani fruit. You can get that uh, free week because all you have to do is pay for uh, shipping and handling. Call 800-219-8874. It's 800-219-8874. Choose for health. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. We continue taking your calls. Gordon is still on the line with us in Illinois. You were saying you had uh, some ideas about age of consent that you wanted to share, so go right ahead. Okay. Um, The problem that people have with age of consent is that you have to pick some arbitrary number and say, you know, if you're older than this, something is okay. If you're younger, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. But pretty much, no matter what number you pick, you're going to be eliminating some people who should be able to participate in whatever the activity is. Always comes up dealing with sex. Could be driving, could be operating some other kind of machinery, working in a in a store or something. Absolutely. I mean, if, if not simply because that as a young person, many uh, people are more developed in some ways, and I don't mean physically, than others. I mean mentally. Uh, young, a young person at age uh, 12 or 13 or 15 or whatever uh, doesn't necessarily have uh, have the same level of development mentally as someone else in their peer group. So exactly. I think you're right. So the problem is, that, you know, you, you eliminate some people who actually should be allowed to do this, and you also allow some people who shouldn't be allowed. You know, we all know some 20-year-olds who shouldn't be driving, for instance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's, here's my concept. It's, it's a free market kind of a thing. I'm surprised you guys haven't, haven't thought of something like it before. And that would be like um, a card, similar to like a driver's license, except the card basically would say, you know, 
um, so-and-so will pick the, the hot-button topic, so-and-so can have sex. But who would issue such a thing? card could be made by anybody. It could be issued by anybody. A kid could write it out themselves. They could have their parents write it out. They could have doctors write it out. There could be a, a company that could make them. Maybe, for instance, a kid could go to the hospital and have a physical exam and a psychological exam, and the hospital would issue the card. And the, the point of this is, first of all, we've got to back up a little bit. If nobody ever finds out that two kids are having sex, some underage person is having sex, if nobody ever finds out about it, it really, it's not an issue that needs to be dealt with. Which is okay. probably how it is most of the time. There's probably a so, whole lot of underage sex going on out there, that's and, right. and most and of it's under the radar. If nobody hears about it, it doesn't have to be dealt with by any kind of a system. The problem comes when somebody finds out about it either because um, maybe the, the, one of the, the participants was coerced in some way or because there's a busybody who lives next door and finds a, you know, a crack in the Venetian blinds that they can see through. Yeah, they just found it. <laughs> Somehow, yeah, they just happened to find that. Right. Um, so, you know, then it, when this comes to light, if somebody, so basically we have a situation where somebody has complained. They've said these two people were having sex. They shouldn't be because one of them is too young and or the other one is too old, you know. So then we'd have, in a free market, we'd have an arbitrator. And the arbitrator could say, well, what's the, you know, do these people have permission? Are they qualified to be doing this? And they could bring out their sex cards, as it were. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, and, you know, if you can it, make up your own sex card, then it's, it's it's the same as basically having the young person say, "Hey, thanks for the concern. I'm just fine." Right? I mean, it's that's, that's right. the same thing. And the arbitrator in this situation can look at the sex card and look at the source of the sex card and the reputation of that source and decide how much weight to give that. You know, if you have, let's pick a really creepy scenario. If you've got a 40-year-old guy and a and a 12-year-old girl and the girl wrote out the sex card herself in crayon on the back of a Denny's placemat, <laughs> the arbitrator's probably not going to give that a lot of consideration. But if she has something from a hospital that says she's been physically examined and found to be physically capable, she's been mentally examined and found to have the mental abilities to make appropriate decisions, then the arbitrator's going to look at that and say, you know what? It's okay for her to be doing this. It's an interesting idea. Yeah, Gordon, I think you're you're pretty close to probably what the market might come up with. Uh, I mean, again, if it's it's going to be the person who was actually harmed, the 12 year old girl, that's going to decide. You know what? He tricked me, and and I sh I didn't know any better, so I'm going to take this guy to arbitration in the first place. It wouldn't be this arbitrary organization of the state. Yeah. And you know, if I if you're 40 years old and going after somebody that's 12. You got to think there's probably a pretty good chance that you know this may not turn out so well down the road, and not going through the step of making sure have you been checked out or tested by some uh, you know private independent organization that that would put an extra layer and of there, safety there. And there have been you know situations, a, a fairly famous one that school teacher uh, Letourneau, 
Oh yeah. Who was who was getting it on with one of her students? Yep. And she went to jail for I think a couple of years, and then when she got out, the two of them got married. Yeah, yeah they, they, they sure did. They love each other. There's they no doubt about together. it. Wait, well, didn't she VOP first and uh, or something like that by getting together with him after she got like out? It. I think yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, yeah. she was yeah. Something happened. But, I mean, once she you. was once she was legally clear of it, and then he was above the arbitrary age of consent. Yep. They went back and got hitched. They really, so, they really did love each other. How about it, it that? It would appear that relationship at least seems to be healthy. Well observed, Gordon. Thank you for the uh, call tonight. I wouldn't go that far, Gordon. Well, what, how do you know, Mark? I mean, how do you know? He said it appears to be healthy. It does, it not does appear, appear to be healthy. To be healthy. What, is, what is unhealthy about this? I mean, they cared about each other so much that he waited the seven years or whatever it was that she was put in a jail cell. He, tur- he, you know, he turned from 14 to 21, and they decided to uh, continue their relationship after the fact. I mean, that seems, pretty, healthy seems to be a pretty good relationship. be together with the person that you met when you were 14 i mean that sounds that sounds unusual there are some stories society. well maybe it's unusual mark but that doesn't mean but it's unhealthy you said i think it, there's but, a big but, difference the, the, the there. statement was that it appears to be healthy doesn't seem to be and anything unhealthy that's unusual about unusual doesn't necessarily appear to be healthy right things that are unusual would appear to be i would not draw unusual the connection. in today's society but a hundred years ago this was happening all the time sure it was absolutely well, there are, so you're saying that kids are stupider nowadays and no, can't I, make decisions for themselves no, I would say that a sane person, uh, you know, by by the definition, is going to avoid trouble, and uh, you know that therefore they're you know they you should avoid a trouble. S- you a should sane? bow down to the government. Is that what? Yeah, you're that sanity saying? mark is to uh, go is to put your head down and to go along to get along. I, I think don't think is... that's sanity because that's why we're here where we are today. It's that obedient attitude is uh, is why the society is the way it is. I think today we have the luxury of not getting married at 14, of not getting into a relationship. Absolutely. And doing it until, waiting until you're 20, 30, whenever. But, you know, years ago they didn't have that. So who's to I'm say, sorry. though, it's wrong? It just all looks freaky to me. Okay. Even okay. Today, okay. You okay. can be weirded out. Therefore, therefore, it doesn't look healthy. Okay. You can be weirded out about it, but, it's, you know. Nothing unhealthy. is nece- Just because it's unusual to you, Mark, doesn't mean that it's unhealthy. I think we've pretty much established that. And I'd like to bring up that we've talked about this age of consent thing a number of times in the past, and what I find the most persuasive on this is when someone calls in to say, hey, I'm 30 years old now, and when I met my husband, I was 15, and we're still together. Sure. And we've got a kid, and everything is great, and things are fine. So that is there, there are examples out there sure of people that did meet when they were very young, and one of them was twice the age of the other person, and they're still together happily today. So I don't know how many of those examples there are, but I know that we've talked about this issue, and we have enough listeners out there to where someone has called in a few times, different people have called in a few times to tell us that exact same story, that they're still together with the older man or the older woman that they met when they were a teenager. That story isn't the same as the Letourneau case. Like, the Letourneau case has got a lot more she was bumps his teacher. in the road. What's the, okay, so they met at school. These other people met, I don't know, on the Internet or something like that. Yeah, I, I think that that power um, you know, situation that comes with a teacher, also unhealthy. <laughs> oh, man. We're coming back with more. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 
1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features include the bulletin board system. We have over 450,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about, from serious issues to fun stuff. You find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs dot freetalklive.com uh we're talking about the age of consent going to get back to your phone calls here in just a moment but i wanted to rebut something that you had mentioned mark and you were talking about we were talking about the mary Kay letourneau situation which uh, for you know for those that don't know uh, mary Kay letourneau was a teacher who had been involved with one of her students uh, at the time he was 13 years old this was in the 1990s uh she was sentenced to prison and after she got out, they got back together. They've got two children together. They're still together today uh, from all indicators. And they're happy, apparently. In fact, the latest news is that they uh, apparently got together and have hosted several Hot for Teacher Night promotions at a Seattle nightclub. Which is funny. Where Mary Kay hosts the event and her husband, Vili is performing as a DJ. So, you know, they're milking it for whatever it's worth, I guess. It got them a bar gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what you had said was, well, you believe that uh, she has power over him, and the, the whole teacher-student relationship. He was 13. She was a, I don't know how old she was at the time, but she was definitely old enough to be his teacher. And uh, and you're, you're saying that she can exercise some sort of power over him as a, as a student? Well, right? I, I think that it's, it's a... Um, it's a superior versus an inferior relationship. I don't know that one has, yeah, yeah, one has certain level of power as a teacher. Sure, yes. What to give him bad bad grades or something yeah, like send that? Send him to the principal and punish him. Yeah, uh, that's that's nothing compared to the power he has as the student in that particular role, as someone who can ruin her career should he choose to do. One class getting a bad grade well, in one no, class is nothing compared knowledge, to knowledge. destroying this woman's career. Sure, sure. Knowledge is power, though, and one has to know that one can enact that. And oh, come on now. You don't think that, uh, like, for instance, these young teenage girls don't realize they have that kind of power over an older man teacher in that situation? You think they're that uh, that, that naive to their influence? Certainly that can, uh, that, certainly that can happen. There's no, there's no I, doubt I about you, it. If Julia was sitting right here tonight, she would uh, be able to tell you she knew absolutely what she was doing when it came to her sexual activities. She may not have known, you know, all the ins and outs of how it all worked, but she certainly knew uh, what level of control that she had over those sorts of things yeah i i get that absolutely it doesn't change the fact that it, it it's a it's a the the statement was whether or not it's healthy and you pointed out that uh live Liv what's his name here uh the, the gentleman yeah the, the the young man oh boy Vili. Vili. uh Vili, uh you know besides uh ms letourneau going to jail what twice um for this instance Vili's uh been arrested for drunk driving you know it's just it, it doesn't have that healthy ring to it i'm sorry that was the only statement i made is that i don't find this to be particularly healthy yeah i understand that a lot of people have gotten arrested for drunk driving mark just because somebody gets uh, behind the wheel of a car when they've had a few too many beers doesn't necessarily mean they're unhealthy they might have made a mistake absolutely so you're yeah, i think you're reading a whole lot in there all i'm telling you is it's absolutely possible for people to get together with someone who's older than they are someone of the opposite sex or same sex or whatever that's older than they are and have a that healthy relationship that was relationship. teaching them penmanship sure sure yeah just look at hugh hefner 
Come on. <laughs> you know, Hugh's clearly working the system for himself. That much is clear. Instead of messing with girls that are 13, like this, um, you know, individuals that are 13, like this woman did, he messes with them when they are 18. Uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that I think that the system is good. The only statement that I made was this doesn't appear to be smack of healthiness all over it, this okay. particular relationship. Let's go to your phone calls. Osborne is in Ohio, and you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Osborne. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey there. Hey, I was going to sit on this for a couple of days because I'm a little uh, riled up about it, but uh, the topic came up earlier in the hour about uh, legal and illegal drugs. Yes, sir. So I want to tell you a little story about my uh, 16-year-old brother. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, was busted for marijuana. Oh, boy. And uh, e- even though I've uh, many times uh, shown him the never-get-busted videos and talked to him about how to uh, deal with police. Uh, he was stopped walking down the street with uh, two of his friends mm-hmm. because, uh, or presumably because, uh, one of them uh, was black and one of them was Hispanic. I see. And, of course, they allowed themselves to be searched. Oh, dear. And the uh, contraband was found. Uh, they were arrested. Uh, it was a big nightmare. Uh, they w- had a court date. Um, I don't know what happened to the other kids, but the my brother uh, got off with a probation, but uh, one of the terms of the probation was that for uh, 18 months, supposedly, uh, has to submit to random drug testing. Oh, that's awful. And if he uh, gets busted again, uh, he'll be locked in a cage. Yep, that's how they do it. So fast forward to today, uh, because he uh, you know, had the gun pointed at his head with regard to his drugs of choice, uh, he OD'd on cough syrup oh, and um, antihistamine. Oh, no. Uh, his mother found him uh, uh, in a coma, uh, convulsing on the floor, oh. uh, was helicoptered to a hospital. Uh, he's been in and out of a coma all day. Oh, wow. Uh, they have him in restraints because uh, when he does uh, uh, come awake, uh, he you know thrashes about wildly and tries to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And who knows what sort of, uh, you know, poking and prodding they're going to do to him when he finally does uh, come out of the situation. So he overdosed on off-the-shelf That's right. Stuff you can get at the grocery store or the, uh, you know, pharmacy or what have you. You know what, Jason? Uh, We need need laws to prevent kids from getting their hands on hulls. That's right. uh, Laws to prevent Dimatap. Oh, if we just would have locked him up the first time, this wouldn't have happened. That's what we (laughs) need. We need more people in jails. That will solve the problem. uh, uh, The comment from the doctor was that he sees this all the time. Yep. It's so tragic. The the drugs do not kill the children. The prohibition kills the children. Absolutely. I mean, just because you tell them to stop getting high isn't going to mean that they're going to stop. As you've said here, he otherwise would have likely have just gotten some more marijuana and gotten high off of that and would have been completely safe because no one's ever been killed or or right. overdosed on uh, marijuana. That's... But instead, he went because he couldn't because he was getting drug tested and marijuana shows up in your system for up to 30 days after you've used it. He went and he probably did his research online and found out that you know these off-the-shelf the stuff, that doesn't show up in on these drug tests. So, all right. Right. We'll just all go dose up on a bunch, a bunch of what was it? Uh, what exactly was it that he dosed on? Uh, cough syrup. I, I was told uh, cough syrup and antihistamine. Oh, that's so gross. That is so gross. Drinking a bottle of cough syrup. Can you imagine that? I've done it. <laughs> no, I don't even like taking the little teaspoon. No, exactly. But that's how badly he wanted to uh, alter his state of consciousness. 
that he was willing to drink an yep. entire bottle of that stuff. And, uh, unfortunately, bureaucrats really don't care that they take off the table the most harmless of uh, you know mind-altering substances out there, which is marijuana, mm-hmm. because it is also the most easily tracked. And you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter to them whether someone's life is ruined or destroyed or whatever. In this case, we've we've just got to uh, perpetuate this war on drugs that, of course, isn't doing anything. It isn't. Uh, being successful anyway, except for employing bureaucrats and keeping the uh, the black market and uh, dangerous criminals, and well, in, in the in, in getting well paid for moving drugs around. My brother was in a uh, drug treatment place in Florida, and some of the kids there were um, they they went outside to the the housing unit or whatever that they were they were in. And they were breaking the lines on the air conditioner to oh, get gosh. the freon out so that they could me. huff it out of a bag. Oh, that's what these kids are going to do, and you're not going to stop them when, when by you take away making it illegal or whatever. They're going to go do something that's more dangerous that you know they can get their hands on. And this is just a stupid, stupid policy. And now it's it struck home, unfortunately, for our friend Jason Osborne. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear about this, and and I send you my best wishes. I, I hope he gets better. A uh, uh, doctor says he should be okay in uh, a day or two. Wow. Uh, anyway, that, that's not going to stop the state from poking him or yeah. Child Protective Services from coming in or the mm-hmm. probation officer, uh, you know, doing something to him. I mean, who right. knows what's going to happen? Because a life with the state would be so much better for him. A life, uh, you know, in juvie hall or whatever the hell, uh, wherever they would decide to uh, to to put him, uh, would be such an improvement, right? Yep. Well, I'll be lobbying to uh, take him under my care and bring him out to uh, Keen to hang out with you guys. So. Bring, bring him up here. There's lots of weed up up here. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, thank you, Jason, so much for the call tonight. And um, I, it's a tragic story. And as he said, the doctors say they see this stuff all the time. Kids without access to the uh, the drugs that would be relatively harmless go off the deep end and go, start doing stuff like huffing gasoline. I mean, I had a friend that had uh, that knew someone who was huffing gasoline in his in his garage. He didn't even realize it until he went outside, found his friend lying down in the front yard with a gas can nearby. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Get that man some marijuana. Stat. Hour number three is on the way. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the show, and you can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they are free there, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Don't forget to join Sam on his website, obscuredtruth.com, and take a look at some of the great video production that he's been doing over the last couple of years. And, of course, more to come. Uh, Some great pro-liberty 
uh, videos that really shine a light on the despicable activities of the men and women calling themselves the state. And uh, I know that you're in the midst always of some new project, Sam. What's coming out next from OTN? A montage of kind of what OTN is all about, sort of a a promo spot type thing that – has some unseen footage of the Keene Police Hugging Squad, <laughs> some various interactions. Just no all no footage has ever been seen of the Keene Hugging Squad, so but that'll it's be out fun. There. All right, cool. So look forward to that at ObscuredTruth.com as we continue taking your calls. Chris is on the line in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Speaking of all the illicit drugs that uh, people are being uh, charged with possessing, even though they're not dangerous, uh, there was the, the caller who talked about uh, about marijuana being or uh, being so therapeutic or hemp. Uh, it cures five different types of cancer, and it's the only land foliage with the correct balance of of the essential fatty acids, omega three, six, and nine. And uh, that's obviously very therapeutic. So that's a, another good reason to outlaw it. But when it comes to this healthcare system. Um, and those who are trying to say that we're racist, uh, we don't like a black man's uh, proposal, whatever they want to say. I, I say to them, I don't want to be uh, an accomplice to your murder of uh, my fellow humans, not just uh, Americans, but also the illegal aliens, because I don't want to be an accessory and accomplice in a system that requires us to to kill each other. Things like uh, the, the pharmaceutical drugs you mentioned and, and the caller earlier, last uh, the drug rep last hour mentioned, and also the the uh, hospital-acquired infections are killing over 100,000 people per year. And we think about the, the death rate, the mortality rate, uh, over in a, some foreign country of our troops. Well, there's this doctor uh, in the Atlantic Monthly uh, who just, uh, it just came out in the article entitled, How American Health Killed My Father. Uh, Dr. Peter Pradovost uh, tried to go around to hospitals and tell them that they could reduce their rate of uh, hospital-borne uh, antibiotic-resistant infections and uh, by two-thirds, and uh, they would never, none of these hospitals were interested because it wasn't very cost-effective, even though he proved that they could reduce their infection rate by hmm. at least two-thirds. So things like that, uh, the nutritional blood test that ought to be uh, administered by doctors rather than uh, the excuse that, uh, well, we have to reduce, tor- uh, we have to uh, have tort reform by uh, making it so doctors don't have to administer so many tests. Well, I would agree with them, but if they were a little more alternatively oriented, if they just administered a nutritional blood test to begin with, they wouldn't have to run these these toxic tests that uh, have carcinogenic and even radioactive uh, imaging agents running through your body, like with a CAT scan or an MRI or, or X-rays to determine, uh, you know, have a breast exam. When so you're moderate. saying more alternatives, good idea. I mean, the, the medical establishment has prevented, has worked very hard with the government to prevent a lot of the alternative options from being available and being advertised in the marketplace, and you're saying some of that stuff could really help some people get it out there. Yes, and and, and the fact that they redefine preventative medicine to mean just deadly vaccinations and and uh, these uh, yeah. these tests that need to be run, they say, well, my father broke the law by curing his own cancer in '96. How did he father. do that? Well, he used ozone, and you can't. That's illegal for human use. So he broke the law. It'd be great if uh, a doctor could have administered it to him, but nevertheless, he didn't have any side effects. And How do you he, administer ozone? I'm just curious. I don't know much about it. Well, there are different ways. What he did, uh, since he had a uh, melanoma on his head and on his shoulder, he would sit at his desk doing his paperwork, and all the while he would have 
ozone pouring out of the ozone generator, just an oxygen tank mm-hmm. that goes into a medical-grade ozone ge- Oops, I can't say that in this country, a high-quality ozone generator. And this ozone would just pour over his head. A few weeks later, he was cured. He went to his doctor. The doctor didn't seem to be interested at all. But there are other ways of intravenously taking out the blood, ozonating it, reinfusing it. Doctors will try to say that's dangerous. Well, the only dangerous dangerous. is if you get nitrogen in the line, and that could cause a blood clot. But doesn't sound too dangerous to have it pouring over the top of your head, though. That doesn't sound very dangerous at all. Nope. I've I've got one of these high-quality ozonators right now. It's been lent to me by a friend. Wow. Right, and, and the, the only hazard or drawback from that is if you ozonate though too much, you could uh, dry up the mucous membranes in your lungs, causing them to collapse and stick together. That is uh, pretty bad, but you know that Sounds you would bad. know well before that that you're you're feeling kind of dry. You'd, you'd have plenty of warning signs if you have a really powerful ozone generator. But the thing is that it's not dangerous, and you go to these so-called socialist countries, most of which are third world countries, and they they allow you to treat yourself with this. Obviously, they want to keep their workers working. But in this country, it's it's more about profit. It's more about sickness care. Well, I don't and think there's anything wrong with profit. But what prob- the problem is with greed when it's backed up uh, by government force. I think that people that help other people feel better, whether they're selling them ozone or whether they're selling them you know, some sort of pharmaceutical pill, should be able to make a profit on the work that they've done helping people get better. Uh, you know, they're providing a valuable service in that case, and they should be award- rewarded for it. But I think the issue is probably greed, where people, you know, enough, the, there's never enough for a certain type of person. And so then they go and they use government to restrict the marketplace and prevent people from coming in and competing with them because they're greedy, because they want to provide just their product to the marketplace and not have any competition out there. Uh, I think that's the real issue, and I thank you for the call tonight. In the medical industry, they... Uh They'll, they'll use the, the the fear that well something could be dangerous and it could very well I you know I, certainly there's so can surgery yeah right um, and when you start looking at how many people die from prescription drugs every year administered by their doctors isn't it over a hundred thousand in this country it's I a very it large is. number I don't know what it is um, but administered by their doctors and you know well you look at that you look at people that die during surgeries yeah these are dangerous things and we're concerned that somebody might be treating their the boils on their skins with uh, you know cow dung big deal <laughs> big fat hairy deal let somebody treat their cancer with ozone what's the big deal it's their cancer should be able to treat with whatever they want yeah well they, they would argue likely that you could but they just let somebody go in business treating people yeah. um cancer with ozone i don't care if and they let do. them sign waivers or whatever saying hey i won't you know i won't it's not sue like the you. doctors don't have people signing waivers and right. stuff you know, Spence, we're talking about drugs. The Associated Press reporting some on some big news here, that Mexico has decriminalized small amounts of marijuana, cocaine, and heroin very recently, as of Friday, about today. A move that prosecutors say makes sense, even in the midst of the government's grueling battle against drug traffickers. Prosecutors said the new law sets clear limits that keep Mexico's corruption-prone police from extorting casual users and offers free at, or af, offers addicts free treatment to keep growing domestic drug use in check. Uh, the new law sets out maximum personal use amounts for drugs, also including LSD and methamphetamine. People detained with those quantities are no longer facing criminal prosecution. Now, Espino del Castillo says, and this is the, from the uh, man from the Attorney General's office down there, he says that in practice, small users almost never did face charges anyway. Under the previous law, the possession of any amount of drugs was punishable by stiff jail sentences, but there was leeway for addicts caught with smaller amounts. He said we couldn't charge somebody who was in possession of a dose of a drug. There was no way because the person would claim they were an addict. 
Despite the provisions, police sometimes hauled in suspects and demanded bribes, threatening long jail sentences if people didn't pay. Castillo, uh, Del Castillo said the bad thing was that it was left up to the discretion of the detective and it could open the door to corruption or extortion. Anyone caught with the drug amounts under the new personal use limit will be encouraged to seek treatment. And for those caught a third time, treatment is mandatory. So, you know, not the most liberty-oriented uh, piece of legislation here, but a step in the right direction. Nonetheless, a, a huge jump in comparison to anything we're going to see, I think, anytime soon here in the United States. Uh, I would like to see somebody take the the lead on this and, and make something like this happen. But Ron Paul's been trying that for, you know... a couple decades and hasn't really had too much success but the, if mexico can do it why can't the united states do it well look at what they're even saying in that article it works on a small scale to stop police from harassing smaller users and and dragging them off to jail but on a large scale oh no no then it's a different story well, obviously, there's some serious inconsistency going on here. But if it results in fewer people filling up jail cells, then, again, it's it better, is a step sure. in the right direction. More on the way here. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. You can join us on our website. We've got the Shrine of Female Listeners, the archives, and more. It's all totally free for you, so enjoy it on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We're talking about Mexico. Big news. According to the Associated Press, they have, as of today, decriminalized small amounts of pretty much all of the usable illegal drugs out there. And some might argue they didn't quite decriminalize enough. Uh, I, I would suggest they need to decriminalize all of it uh, because, as you pointed out, Sam, they still have made it illegal to have more than five grams of marijuana, more than a half a gram of cocaine, more than 50 milligrams of heroin, 40 milligrams of meth, and 15 nanograms of LSD. And so, therefore, anybody with the uh, amounts larger than that still faces the potential for uh, for jail time. Anybody that's dealing is still facing some sig- significant uh, some some significant time in jail. And, of course, one of the reasons why they aren't going to make those products legal anytime soon is because the government profits far too much yes. from the illegal war or for the war on uh, drugs because they're making money on all the uh, all the different sides. They're making money because, uh, you know, they, they profit from the politicians, profit because they get to kind of position themselves as being anti-drug and that gets them reelected. Uh, the, 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 the police chiefs and the police associations benefit because, well, these products are illegal. Legal, which creates crime, which, you know, kind of that's good for their business. And and there's just so many different ways. Of course, you could also point out that many cops are corrupt. A lot of the, the politicians are corrupt and judges. And so they're making money on the, the black market side of the war on drugs, as so many people do here in the United States. So all of the incentives are for the government to continue the war on drugs. It would only be good for you and I if they decided to uh, to stop it. Yeah, and I think this might have more to do with clearing out the courts and the jails uh, of the mm. small-time offenders than it does allowing people freedom and, and personal choice. I think you're right about that. The remainder of the story here says that Mexico 
has emphasized the need to differentiate drug addicts and casual users from the violent traffickers whose turf battles have contributed to the deaths of more than 11,000 people since the president, Felipe Calderon, took office in late 2006. But I think it bears mentioning here that whenever the news media is talking about or the government talks about the violent drug dealers, they may be right. There are violent people out there in the drug trade, but it's only because the criminals are running drugs. That's And the reason criminals are running drugs is because they're illegal. So if they weren't illegal, then you'd see what you see with aspirin and, and alcohol sure. today. At one point, you had the, the violent alcohol trade. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just that simple. If you want yeah. to take the violence out of drugs, take, stop sending, you take the government out of dr- the, the drugs. Yeah, stop sending police after these people with guns and, and you know, telling them to surrender or we're going to shoot you. And, and you'll see the marketplace will work this out and will allow it to be delivered to people without all the violence. Right. Government is violence. It's a monopoly privilege on the use of force. And if you interject it in that particular scenario, what are you going to get? You're going to get violence, no doubt. The toll-free number here for your thoughts is 1-800-259-9231. Now, since we're on the marijuana or drug-related issue, there was some great civil disobedience that happened this week here in, uh, not in Keene, actually in Manchester, New Hampshire, for the first time ever, I think, is uh, that, I guess, well, I guess Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com did some puppet civil disobedience. But as far as drug war is concerned, the drug war is concerned, this was the first drug-related civil disobedience that we've seen so far, and the guy who did it, is incredibly courageous. Uh, Big Mike is what he is called. I've not yet had the chance to uh, to meet him personally. I wish I could have been there to see this happen. But I want to read to you uh, his letter to the chief of police of Manchester because it really kind of plays out what happened. As there have not been, uh, there hasn't been much as far as video footage that has hit the internet. There's been a couple of BlackBerry kind of crappy quality BlackBerry style videos that uh, that hit. We posted one of those over at freekeen.com, so you can see that it's of him in the police station holding a bud of marijuana and demanding to see the police chief. I, no, he's not demanding. He's asking for an appointment to see the police chief to talk to him about why holding a butt of marijuana is an illegal act. And he's, he's in this police lobby for 30 to 45 minutes before he just decides that, okay, well, no one wants to come out to talk to me. Here I am with this marijuana. So he leaves. He didn't get arrested. He was walking around down, downtown Manchester for hours talking to people about marijuana, goes to the police department. They ignore him almost uh, as far as arresting him is concerned. And he walks out, and he's still a, a, a free man as much as the rest of us are. So... Just to kind of set the stage there for his email here, this is what he wrote to, uh, actually a letter that he wrote to Chief Mara. He says, Chief Mara, I'm sorry I was unable to connect with you on Tuesday the 18th. I made an attempt to contact you, but have yet to hear a reply. I left my cell phone number on your voicemail. I had some interesting experiences in the downtown area of Manchester on Tuesday that I'd like to share with you. At approximately 1 p.m., I arrived at Victory Park with a small amount of marijuana, which I displayed openly. I began talking to local residents, asking their opinion on the laws regarding possession of the illegal drug and whether they felt it should be a jailable offense to possess it. I spoke with the residents for approximately 45 minutes. Nobody was offended, and the response was overwhelmingly positive. Deciding to get a better sample of community opinion, a group of supporters and I proceeded to walk a few blocks to the outside of your building. There weren't as many people to talk with near your building, and some seemed a little surprised that a person would openly display marijuana outside of the police station. After 20 minutes outside in the heat where there was no shade, someone suggested we walk around town, and we proceeded in the direction of Elm Street. 
I'd been trying to get interviews on camera with the residents I spoke to, but the battery had run out. Since we were walking, I decided to keep the conversation to one question so I could interact with passers-by as we walked. The question was, do you think that people who possess marijuana like this should be put in jail? While still openly displaying the marijuana bud for them to see. We decided to stop in front of City Hall's uh, building to get the opinions of people coming and going from doing city business. The responses, again, were overwhelmingly positive and supportive. I even received thanks from a few people and smiles. After an hour, we decided to head over to the Manchester District Court building and get opinions from people there. Again, all were positive. Since my plan was ultimately to try and engage in a conversation with a police officer about what I feel are absurd laws, I wasn't having much luck. We'd been walking around downtown Manchester and talking with residents for nearly four hours. So before calling it a day, I decided to enter the police station. And by the way, he called uh, Chief Mara in advance of all of this and left him a message saying, I'm going down to the park at this time and I'm going to do this. So it's not like the police were completely unaware of this unless he happened to not check his voicemail on that particular day. So he did give them a heads up. Four hours later, they walked down to the police station. He says, I entered to see if I'd be able to speak with you or another officer directly. The receptionist was very pleasant. She's letting me know that you were unavailable, but she would get someone else to come speak with me. I openly displayed the marijuana for her to see, and she asked me to have a seat. (laughs) We waited in the lobby for at least a half an hour and decided that maybe it would be better to make an appointment. With the exception of one officer, the folks at the Manchester Police Department were very courteous and acted professionally at all times. It seemed you folks were having a busy day, and I appreciate the fact that they didn't want to be bothered with possibly taking me into custody for possessing a small amount of an illegal substance in the lobby of their workplace. I think it also says a lot about the residents here in Manchester that nobody bothered to report me to the police, and I hope you take something from that. In fact, during the entire time I interacted with people, only one woman said, yes, people with pot should go to jail. And she was leaving City Hall when I asked her and appeared to be in a bad mood anyway. More on the way here. I'll uh, wrap up his his letter to the police chief, the man who refused to send officers out to arrest him for possessing marijuana openly in the police station lobby. It's an amazing story. More coming up. Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours free right there on the front page of the uh, the site going back for an entire year Free for you at freetalklive.com. We had some amazing civil disobedience happen uh, this week here in New Hampshire. And, of course, as you know, uh, the well, if you've listened before, you know this, but the hosts on this program, uh, all of us here sitting in this room, are Free State Project participants, meaning that we moved here to New Hampshire in order to achieve liberty in our lifetime, to get active uh, in order to uh, to help that come about and there have been a lot there's been a lot that's happened here just within the last few years mark you and i moved up uh, nearly 3 years ago labor day of 2006 sam you came up earlier this year and, and the more people that get here the more interesting things get because n- new people bring fresh ideas uh to the table and they are uh, a lot of them are the of the leadership type you know they're willing to just hit the ground running they're they're not willing to wait for somebody to 
come up with an idea that they like so they can glom onto. Certainly there are people that do that, and there's value to having people like that here, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Uh, you have to have people that show up to your events. But Big Mike showed up this week in New Hampshire for the first time, and I think it was the same day or the next day, he made a phone call to the Porcupine 411 number, which is a phone number that blasts out a message. When you leave a message, it blasts it out via email to smartphones and to email boxes, hundreds of, of activists from across the state. And I'm sure people are, su- are subscribing to them from around the, the world just to hear, kind of get an inside ear on what's going on with the activists here. He calls up at 1 a.m., and leaves a message on Pork 411 saying that tomorrow at Manchester he was going to go down to a park and hold a bud of marijuana out in his hand, much like uh, our friend Andrew Carroll did here in Keene at the beginning of this year. He made a public announcement that he was going to hold a bud of marijuana in a public park and see if the cops came to arrest him. In Andrew's case, he did get arrested. Now, the cops were about 20 minutes late, so if he'd come, held the marijuana, and left after five minutes, he probably wouldn't have gotten arrested, at least at that time. Uh, but the cops did show up 20 minutes later and arrested him. In the case of Big Mike, he shows up at the police department after they never tried to arrest him for being in the park with the marijuana, shows up at the police department, asks to speak to the police chief. They say, hang on, we'll send someone out to talk to you. No one ever came out after 30 to 45 minutes of sitting there. In Andrew's case, the Keene police did have somebody undercover filming the crowd, correct? They claim they had someone filming, yes. Okay. I just wanted to point that out. I don't know where that person was. I, I They may have been in a nearby building. I'm not sure if they were actually part of the crowd. May have been why not. they were late. So uh, I'm going to just read the rest of Big Mike's mail that he sent. This is a letter that he sent to the police chief of Manchester after the chief refused to meet with him and refused to send anyone out to actually talk to this guy. He wanted to talk to a police officer. His goal of the, for the day was to talk to a police officer while holding marijuana about the illegality of that 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 act and they never sent anyone out to talk to him so he said that he talked to a lot of manchester residents while he was out on the streets he was walking through one of the parks and walking downtown and walked in front of the courthouse and walked in front of the police station and talked to a lot of people about marijuana and he got overwhelmingly positive responses of course because most people are sensible most people understand that marijuana is pretty much harmless They know that they have friends, if they themselves aren't using it, or users. They know that they have friends and family members who are avid or semi-avid or occasional users of marijuana. And they understand that these are their friends and family. They're not dangerous criminals. People get that, man. When you talk to people about this issue, they understand and they'd like to see change. It's just that the political system is very reticent, uh, reticent to do change. So let me continue with Big Mike's letter. He says, having just moved here from Michigan where marijuana was legalized for medicinal purposes, I was surprised to learn that a similar bill with over 70% of support from New Hampshire residents that passed both bodies of Congress was uh, vetoed by the governor. And this goes with the point I'm trying to make. I realize there's a system in place to deal with issues like this. The problem to me is that it takes too long to make any necessary and beneficial changes. One question I have for you is if the residents in Congress are in close agreement that the use of marijuana is okay for sick people, can it be that can it be that bad for healthy people? I would hope that you're willing to set uh, of course you don't want to ask a cop that question because of course they're going to oh yeah it's bad. Bad bad bad. Marijuana bad. But he didn't even answer the question. He wouldn't even come out to meet with him. And he says that I would hope that you're willing to set aside some time to meet with me and discuss some concerns that I have, as well as some easy solutions that won't require us to utilize the political system in order to make some changes in how people possessing illegal drugs are dealt with. 
And I think those easy solutions, I don't know what he's going to propose, but I can think of a few a few easy solutions. How about you just stop enforcing that law? Problem solved. You don't have to go through any legislative procedure to uh, make that happen. The police can just decide, you know what, this law sucks. We're not going to enforce it anymore. Just like they didn't enforce the illegal puppeteering law with Dave Ridley. When Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com, another one of the activists up here, went from city to city doing illegal puppet shows, which is apparently illegal uh, if you don't have a, a, a permit, you can't give a puppet show in New Hampshire. Sounds crazy, right? Uh, it, that's the law. And Dave broke the law. He announced in advance to the police that he was going to break the law, where he would be, the time, the place, where he was planning on breaking that law, and they did nothing about it. So it's clear that they have discretion, that they can choose to not enforce whatever laws they want to not enforce. Right. It's not going to destroy uh, our form of government. I mean, that's that's absolutely ludicrous. Imagine if in a dry county, and they exist here in the United States, the cops just decided, you know what, we're not going to go after anybody who's yeah. uh, drinking any longer. I mean, d- is that going to cause uh, you know a representative republic to, to crumble to its knees just because the people who've managed to stay in power in those counties? Because you can't tell me that most people in, that count- in those counties think that uh, people don't have the right to consume alcohol. I, I mean, that's absolute, that. absolutely ludicrous. But the people that managed to stay in power there just aren't listening to the people um, and what their desires are. And that's really what's going on here. The vast majority of Americans, when asked on this question, believe that people should be able to treat their uh, sick illness with marijuana if that's what they choose. So maybe this is about the authority of the police being uh, question, being put into question. If they stop enforcing marijuana laws and the society doesn't crumble, gee, what else might they be enforcing that uh, is not necessary either? bunch of crap. You think that's why they're reticent to make any changes like that? Yeah, I mean, if they if they just stopped and just like you said, just stop arresting people for it. If you see it, see, catch somebody with it and it's in their car, just let them go. Who cares? Um, you know, people might see that. Look, it's not the end uh, the end of society to have people running around using cannabis and and other drugs and making these choices. And people might begin to see that, hey, the police are enforcing a lot of laws here that uh, don't really benefit society in the way that they claim. Well, on the other side, though, don't you think that the police want to be liked by people? Because if they stopped enforcing bad laws like marijuana possession laws, then a lot more people would start to like the police again, I think. I mean, if the cops were actually – I mean, obviously they need to stop enforcing speeding tickets and other silly nonsense like that. But if they aren't throwing your buddy in jail for uh, possessing a joint – that makes them a little bit more tolerable. I, I think police want their authority respected, period. Hmm. Toll-free number is 800-259-9231. A few more thoughts from Big Mike. He says, uh, so he wants to meet with the the, uh, the police chief, and he says, I request our conversation be on the record, but I'm willing to provide you with a list of questions I have prior to our meeting should you request it. I'm not trying for an interview that catches you unprepared, as I feel the dialogue will be beneficial for both of us. I must, however, insist that our conversation be recorded, and I hope that you will give me your honest opinion, even if you feel it may not be popular amongst your supporters. In the event that I don't get a response to my request for an interview, or if you deny my request for an interview, I will proceed to stage another event in Victory Park that will likely draw a significantly larger group of supporters who will want to hear my proposal on my easy solution to curb the problems many are concerned with regarding the current war on drugs and police actions in the city of Manchester. I look forward to hearing from you, Chief Mara, and I look forward to working with you. I think it's a brilliant approach. 
I, I, mean, I like I love it. it. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't find anything wrong with it. And believe me, I'm out here looking for things wrong with people's uh, civil disobedience activism. Nope, I can't find anything wrong with it. Sounds good. He's been extraordinarily polite. Yeah, I mean, his, offering to give the questions in advance. His, on a his threat sounded just a slightly too hard for me. But I don't know how you make a threat and make it sound soft. So it's a promise, not a threat. Yeah, whatever. Toll free numbers eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. So we will continue to follow the Big Mike case here. And will he get a response from the police chief? Remains to be seen. What will happen when he goes back the second time? Who knows? More people will show up with him, though, I bet. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Sam. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. Entering Amazon through that link results in a percentage of your purchase going to Free Talk Live. And it's the same great Amazon prices. It's just you're entering through our portal, and so they're sending us a cut of their profits. So go to amazon.freetalklive.com. Get your shopping done. And that's amazon.freetalklive.com. You know, last night we had somebody call in right at the end of the show. And he never called back. Uh, we invited him to call back tonight. He didn't call back. People have things to do, I'm sure. Uh, but he, he had asked us a question about objectivism. And we have people call in from time to time to ask us similar questions. Hey, why aren't you guys objectivists? And honestly, I don't really know that much about objectivism. I know normally when someone calls in and, and asks me to uh, explain why I'm not an objectivist, then I'll ask them to explain what objectivism is because I really I can't really just I just can't explain it. I don't know that much about it. I've never really studied it. I've never really looked into it uh, anything beyond just having somebody explain it to me over the phone. And one of the things I didn't do last night while we had him on the line and we were talking to him about it was pull up well what is objectivism from according to Wikipedia. It was very close to the end of the show as I It was know. yeah right next uh, right up to the end. And uh, so I just want to kind of dive back into that conversation, even though he's not here right now, and talk about why it is I'm not an objectivist. Because I am a voluntarist. I am an autonomist. I do believe in a a voluntary society. I believe that we need to – that mankind needs to evolve, needs to to make the choice to evolve to a voluntary society. That's all it takes is for enough people to make that choice. And I think it would help if those people were all, all in the same geographic region, which is one of the things that I think we're, some of us, at least, are trying to accomplish here with the, uh, the, the Free Keen movement, freekeen.com, and, and the Free State Project to, uh, to some extent. And so I'm already a voluntarist, so I already understand that using force against people is, uh, is inappropriate. And this guy was trying to get us to, uh, t- to believe that, well, objectivists are just like you, and uh, that objectivists aren't in favor of using force. But we've heard from objectivists who uh, favor the Iraq, Iraq war, apparently the uh, Ayn Rand Institute or some, some group like that. Some objectivist uh, Ayn Randy group came out in favor of the, the war in Iraq. So that is right there enough for me to say, well, if this is what these people favor, and I don't know if it is or it isn't, maybe some objectivists do, maybe some don't. But if, if that's what their title organization is out openly supporting, 
That's a pretty disturbing thing. It's not in any way a uh, toward a free society to support warmongering like that. And so that would have been enough for me to just push it aside and say, well, why would I need that? Why why would I need that label for myself? It doesn't even sound anything like me. But then I want then I actually looked at the Wikipedia article about this, and uh, and it, it's the first. I don't know, the first ten words or less that I, I pretty significantly disagree with. And I'm going to run it by you guys and, and see what you think about this. Because there's a lot here in the, the definition of Ayn Rand and her works and uh, how you know human beings can gain knowledge from perception through the process of concept formation and inductive and deductive logic. All kinds of uh, detail on what Ayn Rand believed. It seems that objectivism is basically... Oh, Ayn Rand believed this, and okay, I like what she had to say, so I believe that too. It's kind of like Ayn Randianism, yeah. from, from what I can tell. But the first ten words here, or less, say that objectivism holds that reality exists independent, independent of consciousness. And I don't think that you can... Uh, that, that, that seems to me to be a faith. Uh, and they were uh, the guy that we had on the phone last night was not exactly... didn't seem too friendly towards organized religion and faith in general... But that seems to be was wasn't he? Yeah, uh, he was that, very much so against the idea of, uh, of 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 faith and religion. But that's a that's a statement of faith right there. The the statement is objectivism holds that reality exists independent of consciousness, and you have to have faith to believe that statement. I have faith that I I do believe that statement. I don't know if that statement is true. There's no way to prove that statement, so well, I'm not going to make a, take a, a position on that. In a giant computer program, um, yes, on, you could you know, on some uh, somebody's laptop, uh, but you know, there's there's no way to you to could prove also. It. However, um, I know that if I if I swing a hammer and I hit myself in the hand, I'm going to go ow ow ow. If I swing that hammer and hit you in the hand, you're going to go ow ow sure, ow. Sure, you can make if, observations. In my mind, the the caricature of you is going to jump up and down and be very angry with me. Now, sure. you may not even be real. But I think you are, and I know how you're going to react if I hit you with a hammer. You've made observations throughout your existence, uh, and you make decisions based on those observations. We do this all day long. We've, you know, we've come to certain conclusions based on what we've observed in our lives, and because of those conclusions, we take certain actions and we move forward. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. I deny, I don't deny all of that, but I can't agree with the first statement in what objectivism is because there's a possibility that that could be false. There well, is. I think that reality is a reflection of the the society's consciousness or collective unconsciousness. And I, I subscribe to that uh, as well. But there's also the possibility, because when you take a look at who you are and uh, what you're experiencing, what you're experiencing is coming through your senses. You know, touch, taste, smell, uh, the ability to hear and see. So those are how you're experiencing the reality around you. But there's no way you can you can say for certain that reality exists, which is why you have to take that leap of faith as the objectivists have done and say, "Yes, reality does exist uh, independently of my consciousness." Well, but you can't prove it because at all times, you're subject to your senses, and your senses could be being tricked. You could very well be Neo in the Matrix, plugged in right now into some sort of gigantic uh, simulation software that is essentially, you know, you got the jack in the back of your head and the uh, the various different uh, electrodes all you, you over your body. You could be, but it's not a and useful philosophy. I'm just saying, Mark, that 
you have to have faith in order to believe that particular statement. Faith in that concept. And there's, I don't have that faith. I, I can't, I'm not going to make that definite, de- definitive statement to say that reality exists. It could all be a very great, grand, wondrous illusion created by your consciousness itself. There's no way to prove that's true or to prove otherwise. Because any kind of uh, uh, information that you gather, you've gathered through your senses. And if your senses are being tricked, you can't prove that they're being tricked. There's no way to uh, to come to that conclusion. Yep. Our, our reality of this universe could be a, a video game running on somebody's wristwatch, for all we know. It, it could very well be, and there's no way to prove that statement in the same way that there's no way to prove that reality exists independent of your consciousness. And that's the prime, according to the Wikipedia article, that's the prime tenet of what objectivism is. So right there, based on the first ten words... I'm not an objectivist because I'm open to the idea that that could not be true. Sure, I've seen all this stuff in my life, but how do I know that that, you know, wasn't sent to me to be seen by some wonderful computer program for my benefit? I don't know. I don't know either. Um, There is no way to know. However, I think that it's a good philosophy that generally works. Um, I I am also of the opinion that... Wait, wait, wait. Philosophy? That reality exists independent of consciousness or the rest of the whole? Because there's a lot more here the, about blah 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 Objectivism, by and large, is a really great philosophy from what I can tell. However, what it appears to uh, come down to is uh, Ayn Rand uh, worship to some extent. What else is in there, Ian? Uh, what, the, the, uh, the rest of the definition? Or, yeah, what else defines objectivism? Well, objectivism holds that reality exists independent, independent of consciousness. Individual persons are in contact with this reality through sensory perception that human beings can gain objective knowledge from perception through the process of concept formation and inductive and deductive logic and that the proper moral purpose of one's life is the pursuit of one's own happiness or rational self-interest. I'm fine with that, you know, Yeah, all this sounds good. Uh, But the only social system consistent with this morality is full respect for individual rights embodied in pure laissez-faire capitalism. How they could make that statement, and on the other hand, support the war in Iraq, I don't know. And that the role of art in human life is to transform man's widest metaphysical ideas by selective reproduction of reality into a physical form, a work of art that can he can comprehend and to which he can respond emotionally. So there's a, there's a lot there that I don't really necessarily want to jump into and apply my and say, oh, that's, that's me. I'm just somebody who believes that people should be free to live their lives how they want so long as they don't harm anyone else. I, and that's, you know, maybe that's included in objectives and maybe it isn't. I don't really care enough to find out. I don't care enough to find out to want to, you know, join up with their group. I don't want to, you know, I don't really want to get involved yeah, in any sort. Of I mean, you got to like think that. about it. As much as we talk about these these ideas and these concepts, if we can't really clearly define what an objectivist is, somebody, the average American out on the street, is going to have no clue. And a voluntarist that that can be explained in a few words. I believe all interactions right. can be voluntary based on consent. Period. Easy easy to explain, whereas objectivism, I'm confused by all that. I don't know what all that means. I have to get out the dictionary and start looking it up and stuff. Why? We're out of time. It's been Ian here with you. And Sam. And Mark. See you tomorrow night for the live Saturday edition online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Attention. 
all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.